We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Yes, yes, relationships can indeed be hard, challenging, and confusing. I have a few questions for you to consider. Do you do everything you can to avoid conflict? Do you find yourself going along with what other people want? Do you find yourself contorting uncomfortably to make sure others are happy? Do you find it difficult to honor yourself or share your feelings? Are you confused as you try to figure out what honors you or put your finger on exactly how you're feeling? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are likely a people pleaser and this show is for you. I love this quote from Gandhi. A no uttered from the deepest conviction is better than a yes uttered merely to please or worse, avoid trouble. But you may, might find this does not come naturally to you. I know it didn't for me. Years ago, I was confused as to why I was always taken advantage of, betrayed, and abandoned in my relationships. Then one of my spiritual teachers shone a light on my issue when she said to me, Tammy, your biggest problem is that you want to make everyone happy. And I said, yes, I do. What's wrong with that? She responded by saying, first of all, it's impossible. And second of all, other people's happiness is not your responsibility. In retrospect, I understand. When we try to make others happy before checking in with ourselves, and if we take care of others before caring for ourselves, we end up becoming depleted, exhausted, unhappy, and unwell. And because everything is really a reflection of our relationship with ourselves, if we don't put ourselves at the top of the take care of list, we're playing to the mirror and living from the outside in rather than taking personal responsibility and living from the inside out. So what if you are a people pleaser? It is a noble intention and not something you have to give up entirely. But how can you come into more effective balance so that you can live a prosperous and fulfilling life with happy and healthy relationships? That is the important subject and compelling conversation we are going to be having right now. Today, we're going to be gleaning wisdom from Dr. Jay Early. Dr. Early is a transformational psychologist, group leader, psychotherapist, coach, teacher, theorist, and the author of many, many books, some of which includes the titles Self-Therapy, Negotiating for Self-Leadership, Resolving Inner Conflict, Activating Your Inner Champion Instead of Your Inner Critic, Letting Go of Perfectionism, Embracing Intimacy, A Pleaser No Longer, and many more. He is the creator of The Pattern System, a detailed and comprehensive map of the human psyche oriented towards personal growth. Dr. Early's profound insight into human motivation and psychological patterns enables him to help people understand both their strengths and how they block themselves from getting what they really want. Today, we're going to be talking about one of those identified patterns that can keep us playing small, limited, keep us disempowered and unhappy, and that is the pattern of people pleasing. So Dr. Early, thank you so much for being here and having this conversation with us. Well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. This is such an important subject. And I know for me, I didn't even know I had this issue until it was pointed out after I kind of got on my, my path, if you will. So say somebody's listening and they're not sure if they're really a people pleaser or not. Can you share with us some of the behaviors or qualities that people pleasers would exhibit? Well, you actually did a great job of it already in, which, in your introduction, but I'll, I'll say a little bit more. <clears throat> if you have a tendency to kind of go along with other people, what other people want, and maybe without even really checking inside to know what it is that you want, or if you tend to accept other people's opinions, again, without really checking inside to see what yours are, um, or if you're not sure what you feel because you kind of, kind of go with what other people's feelings are about things, those are all examples of people-pleasing. Or if it's hard for you to assert yourself, if it's hard for you to say no if somebody asks you to do something, <clears throat> or if it's hard for you to set limits if something is not going the way you want, if it's hard for you to 
speak up and say, I don't like what's going on, if it's hard for you to bring up things with somebody you're close to that might lead to a conflict and you tend to avoid doing that, those are all signs of being a people pleaser. Of course, the bottom line is that you're that you your your often unconscious goal is to make other people happy and without paying attention to whether you're making yourself happy. That's true. And I know for me and something I see with my clients a lot is that whole thing about not wanting to be in trouble. <laughs> Nobody right. really likes to be in trouble. But yeah, when we when we sacrifice taking care of ourselves to make sure that other people are uh, I guess happy, then that it can start to really be a problem. And I can look back and realize that there are all kinds of negative effects from this tendency, this pattern. Um, first of all, I was establishing resentment against people that were, you know, asking me to do things. And uh, second of all, I ended up not being able to make them happy after all, because finally I had to say no when I was sick or, you know, had gotten hurt or something. And then I would be abandoned and betrayed. I'm like, what happened? I was just trying to make people happy. <laughs> uh-huh. Confusing. So here's a question. Why exactly does this happen? Why did I become a people pleaser? Why do people uh, kind of start falling into this pattern? Well, I would say that there are <clears throat> probably three major reasons. One is and again, most of these are unconscious, by the way, or at least not, not usually not terribly conscious at first until you've really looked into it. And one is that you, that you can be afraid that you're going to be, that if you don't please, please people, you'll be rejected or you may be afraid that um, people will judge you or shame you or whatever it might be. But there's often a fear that if you don't please, please people, something bad's going to happen. Um, a second reason that it happens is that often the pleasing is an attempt to get love or approval or um, interest or something to get something, to get some positive connection with other people by pleasing them. And then a third possibility is that you have just been trained through your life and especially through childhood to feel that you don't have any power that to feel that other people have the power in life and that you just have to go along with them. Mm-hmm. So those, those are the three main ones that I've seen. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, we don't realize that we have a choice because it happens so early. That's interesting. And you also, I love your book. You have a lot of opportunities for readers to go through it and kind of check off things that are uh, true for them. So this book can become very um, personal to the reader and uh, it's not just giving information. It's really inviting the reader to become a participant in this healing process, which I really, really appreciate. Um, something I like that you do, you, you also break down the different types. There's different types of people-pleasing patterns. And right. so you have a little box and some words, and then you describe each of them. Can you tell me a little bit about the different types of people-pleasing? So sure. So one type is compliance where basically you just kind of give in to what other people want or think or feel. You just comply with with them, and often without even realizing you're doing it. And the second one is merging, where where you actually, there's a kind of unconscious belief, especially with somebody you're close to. If you get into merging, you, you sort of feel like you should be the same as that person. And so you try to distort your feelings or your beliefs or your ideas or your desires to, to match theirs because you think you're supposed to be merged with them. Um, another type is the caretaking, where, you're, where you, you feel like your job is to take care of other people and to make sure that you're actively doing things to make them happy and especially that you're doing things to make sure that they're not uncomfortable or unhappy in any way. Um, and then the, the fourth type is conflict avoiding, where you go out of your way to make sure that you don't do anything that could cause a conflict or, get, or to your, use your terms, Tammy, to get you in trouble. Uh, and then, of course, these often overlap. I mean, I'm saying these are that, you know, often somebody will have, will participate in many of these different types. But it's just a good way of getting a flavor for the different ways that 
people-pleasing can show up. Yeah, I appreciate how you uh, break break that down. And again, you make a, the book very um, interactive almost, which uh, is different than some of the other books I've read about this topic. Very, very helpful. I wish I would have stumbled on it about a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. But that's okay. I found my way, and now I found you, and we can help other people that are struggling with this. <laughs> so it seems to me that a lot of what happens in regards to this pattern is it's, is motivated by fear. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. And where do those fears come from? Can, can you kind of yeah. break it down to the basics? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so most, mostly they come from childhood. Um, and so if, if, um, if when you were a child, one of your parents uh, judged you a lot or when you were, um, or best, basically to put it more specifically, if they judged you when you weren't being the way they wanted you to be then that's a perfect setup for becoming a people pleaser because, of course, when you're a child, you don't, want to, you don't want to be judged or rejected or shamed or have somebody yell at you or whatever it might be. And if, if your parents reacted that, if, you, if your parents had this idea that this is the way you're supposed to be, and if you're not that way, I mean, then they're, they're going to do this, then it'd be, it'd be very easy for you to end up becoming a pleaser so that you didn't get into trouble with your parents. Now, of course, all parents do this to some extent. Sure. Um, it's just natural because it's part of raising a child to, you know, to help them. Uh, but, but some parents will go much, much further in that direction than others. And some of us, are, as children, are more sensitive to, um, to how our parents treat us than others. And so... You know, if your parents were really heavy in that direction or if you were particularly sensitive, then you... Now, of course, people deal with this differently. Some people deal with this by becoming really rebellious against their parents. You know, right. that, that, that causes its own problems. But, but if, you, if you tended to go in this direction to become a pleaser, and especially if your parents allowed you, you know, allowed you to actually see, really gave you stuff when you were pleasing them and they, and they told you you were great and they gave you a lot of mm-hmm. positive stuff, when you bent yourself out of shape to please them, then that's a setup for becoming mm-hmm. a pleaser with everybody else throughout your life. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, when you get that positive reinforcement for contorting, then it just probably becomes a habit, like a tendency, if you've got that, that, that propensity. Very and it, interesting. And it, and it can happen in other ways, too. Like, you know, like some people will say, you know, uh, my father was an alcoholic and, and he, could fly, he could fly or he could fly into a rage in moments. And I had to make sure that I didn't do anything that was going to trigger him. Well, right. how do you do that? You, you please him, you know, so that sets you up to be a pleaser, too. So, that's, yes. you know, there's many different ways it can happen. Yeah, I've seen that happen a lot with children of um, addicts. They become pleasers, and there is a, there seems to be a pattern or a theme with that. So I have a, a really important question. <laughs> if somebody's listening and they're like, you know what, I, I'm a pleaser. I'm a little bit of a pleaser. How can they begin to um, overcome their fears of maybe not making other people or uh, of standing up for themselves? What is maybe some simple uh, beginning action steps that they can start to take to become more empowered? So the first thing is to do some introspection and see if you can get in touch with what you're actually afraid of. Uh, or in the case that the please, you're pleasing is aimed, and it can be both, sometimes it's aimed to get things, to get approval, to get love, to get connection, um, so if you can get in touch with what you're afraid of, that's the first thing. Are you afraid of being judged? Are you afraid of being abandoned? Are you afraid of somebody yelling at you? So that's, that's the first step. And then you can, if, once you know that, you can probably remember back to your childhood and get a sense of where that fear came from. I mean, it could even possibly come from previous relationships in your life, too. But generally, the roots are usually primarily in childhood. And the reason it's really useful to get in touch with the, the fears that came from childhood is because those fears mostly are probably not going to happen now in your life. So if you're, you know, if as a child you were really, um, 
you know, somebody, you know, somebody really yelled at you a lot when you didn't please them, unless you happen to be around people who are really angry right now, that's probably not um, as, as big a fear as you unconsciously think it is. So by, by getting in touch with what your fears are and where, where they come from, you can then begin to examine what's going on in your current life, you know, the kind of situations where you tend to be a pleaser. Let's say somebody asks you to do them a favor, and you just automatically say yes without even thinking. Well, that person's probably not going to yell at you if you say no, but unconsciously there's a part of you that's afraid of that because of what happened in childhood. So if you can be aware of that, then when somebody asks you to do something, you can stop and say, you know what? Um, I don't have to go along with what this person asks. And if I don't go along, nothing terrible is going to happen. They would understand. Or if they don't, it's not going to be a big deal. I can handle it. And so you can begin to be aware of, excuse me, be aware of when, um, well, actually, let me me emphasize that more. Once you're aware of what you're afraid of and where it comes from, then the next big step is to be aware of those situations in your life when you have a choice not to be a people pleaser. That's huge. It's not easy to do, to actually be aware in that moment, oh, somebody just asked me to do them a favor, stop, before I just automatically say yes, stop and say, whoop, here's one of those cases. Here's the time <laughs> yes. when I'm about to be a pleaser. Or uh, let's say <clears throat> there's something in your relationship that you're unhappy with and you're not bringing it up with your partner. So say, oops, here's another example. Here I go. I've been unhappy with this for three weeks, and I haven't said a word. If I don't, if I don't want to be a pleaser, I need to bring this up. So, so to start becoming aware of all those different situations in your life when you are being a pleaser, so that you even then have a choice about what to do about it. That's, that's yeah, you, you- yeah, I think that that is so important just to start to become yeah. cognizant, to become conscious of that that pattern. And I know for me, something that helped me was just uh, when somebody would ask me for something because I would just do a knee jerk response. Yes. And then either get sick or have resentment or whatever. I found myself plugging in this this uh, sentence. You know what? Let me sit with that and I'll get back to you. Right. That way I didn't have to say no right away because that would have been such a big leap for me. It, it would have been, I don't know if it would have been possible. So for me just to, you know, just take a breath and check in before I committed, that was very, very, very helpful. Let me sit with it. Let me meditate on it. Let me think about it and see if it resonates for me. And um, that that helped kind of dial down the, the people-pleasing volume, right. <laughs> which was helpful. And now I'm much better at saying, you know what? No, that doesn't fit for me. <laughs> kind of more in touch with what my truth is. And before you can even do that, you have to be aware, oops, this is one of those times when I'm about to be a pleaser. And that can happen in all kinds of different ways. It's not only when somebody asks you for something, but maybe when somebody is just sort of assuming that you're going to go along with something they want to do and you're about to go along with it, to, to say, well, well, to yourself, wait a minute, I don't have to go along with this. This is actually not something I'd prefer to do right now. I could actually say something about this. To, to even be aware of that is, is, a, is a big step. Yes, it really is. So I, I, I think that's such, a, such an important point to make. So you and your book, I love your book, um, you create like a plan for overcoming people pleasing. It's not just one thing. It's, it's kind of a plan and you break it down. So it's really comprehensive. Can you talk a little bit about um, what, what that, what that looks like, what that is. Sure. <clears throat> well, we've already talked about a number of the steps. One is to be in touch with what you're afraid of. The other, and then the next step is to be in touch with where it comes from in your childhood. And then the third step, which we just talked about is to notice when you're actually being a pleaser. And, um, or if you can even, sometimes you can predict it ahead of time. You know, here's the type of situations where I tend to be a pleaser. You know, it tends to happen um, when somebody asks me for something, or it tends to happen um, when I'm at work and, um, and my, you know, one of my colleagues says, let's do it this way, you know. And so if you, you can often even predict them so that 
then when it happens, you can, you can stop yourself, just like you said, Tommy, you can stop yourself from doing your usual behavior and take a little time out if you can. And, and just in that moment, you know, realize I have a choice. I could do something different. And, and in, in, in that moment, it's also usually good to, or ahead of time if you know, to remind yourself what you're afraid of and to, and to check, is, is the thing that I'm afraid of likely to happen here? And usually it's not, because usually the fears come from childhood, and so they're way exaggerated versus what's actually likely to happen. And so you can often remind yourself, you know what, if I assert myself now, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, either the person will accept it, or if they don't, they might be a little unhappy, but I can handle that. And so that also helps to remind yourself that, what you, that the unconscious fear is not really realistic in the present. <clears throat> and then it's really good to have a clear sense of what you want to do instead of pleasing. And that's assertiveness, basically. That's a, that's a fairly broad topic that that really does cover. Because when you're a pleaser, what you do is you block your assertiveness. You block your ability to know what you want and think and feel, to express what you want and think and feel, to assert what it is that you want to see happen in a certain situation, or what you think is best, and it may not even be for you, but just to assert what you think is best for the whole situation instead of just going along with what other people think. Well, that's <clears> something... Then, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I just like that in your book. I never thought about um, setting an intention to become more assertive. I thought, you know, clearly I need to have stronger boundaries. <clears throat> but you opened my mind to this word. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, that's, that's a good word. You know, in the past I might have thought that was not something I would aspire to, but it, uh, the way you explain it, describe it, I love it. It makes a lot of sense. And I think I have something here about assertive. It means having firm knowledge of what you feel, think, and desire, as opposed to being overly influenced by others' opinions, feelings, and needs. It's part of being an autonomous, empowered adult. So, and I also love that you talk about how it naturally integrates with cooperation. So you're open to other people's needs and opinions without giving up your own. To me, that sounds like balance. Exactly. That's right. And that's really important to realize because um, being, being a pleaser is sort of an extreme version of cooperation. Cooperation is a healthy capacity, just like right. assertiveness. And like you say, Tammy, you want to have balance and integration between being assertive and being cooperative. So when we're, when we're saying that you want to be assertive, it doesn't mean that you're going to suddenly become controlling and, you know, push people and all that stuff. It just means that there's going to be a healthy balance between connecting with people and cooperating with them and, and sometimes going along with what they want, as long as you choose to do that, and sometimes asserting what you want and, and you know, having a nice balance. Because really what we're talking about here is power. Yes. And a people pleaser gives away their power, and somebody who's controlling tries to take all the power, and what you'd like to have is a nice balance where you're both assertive and cooperative. That's true, because, you know, I know it wasn't a conscious thing again, um, but I thought if I give away my power, then I will get love. Exactly. But it That's never true. really worked out that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what and, I mean, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Blake? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out that way because you're right. And I say this all the time. Givers, if you give but can't receive, you're going to end up takers that don't give. So I felt like in retrospect that as a people pleaser, I attracted people that were controlling until I took responsibility to come into my own healthy balance. And now um, I have wonderful relationships that are a beautiful balance of giving and receiving. It's not one-sided like they, they used to be. So feels much better, I have to say. I so much appreciate what you're saying, Tammy, because you're really just um, explaining so clearly what this is about. Yeah, it's quite a journey. It's really confusing when you're trapped in it. And uh, it makes a lot more sense when you're on the other side. So perhaps we have some people listening that might have some questions or would like to uh, ask Dr. Early uh, 
about something specifically in their lives. So I'm going to do a shout out with the phone number in the second half of the show. I'd really love to open up uh, the conversation a little bit. So if you have a pencil and a paper, this number is 248-809-3475, So Dr. Early here is here to uh, share his wisdom and support you in whatever way serves so, Dr. Early, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to be this, this expert about this topic? Very interested in this. Well, I'm a psychotherapist, and I've been, I've been doing it for about 40 years, <laughs> a long time. Oh. <laughs> That's and, a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've, um, I've worked with a lot of people. And um, a couple things. Well, um, 10 years ago, I discovered this amazing form of therapy called internal family systems therapy, which has, you know, doubled or tripled my effectiveness as a therapist. And in addition, um, I've been, over the last 20 or 30 years, I've been developing this thing I call the pattern system, which uh, is a way of cataloging and understanding different patterns that we have that don't work for us and different healthy capacities that do and, and how they're related to each other. And so I've in the in the course of developing the pattern system, I've looked at various patterns and uh, in some detail to see exactly how they work. And so people-pleasing has been one of those. And so, so I've written a book. I've written three or four or five books on different patterns. And each book is on a pattern and a healthy capacity. So the book, A Pleaser No Longer, is on the people-pleasing pattern and the assertiveness capacity. And so in... In researching and preparing for that book, I looked into some detail in how this pattern works and how to change it and what assertiveness looks like and, and uh, how to cultivate that. Ooh, I'm and really looking forward to talking more about that when we come back from our break because I think, again, I'm setting an intention to, to cultivate my assertiveness <laughs> even more after reading your book and understanding what it means. It, it, again, it, to me, it... Um, speaks of being empowered, authentically empowered. And of course, that's what this network's about. That's what I want my show to be about. So I appreciate you giving us that information and these tools. So um, Dr. Early, say somebody's interested in knowing more about you or getting copies of your books. How can they find you? Uh, well, the books, of course, are all on Amazon. Um, and I, my website is personal-growth-programs.com. Uh, that's, actually, that's actually, I have two websites. That's one of them. The other one is patternsystem.com. So you can go to either of those websites and check out the various books and classes that I, courses that I teach and, and so on. Yeah, you do, you do different types of uh, courses online too, don't you? Right. I do courses in, in internal family systems therapy and learning it to do it on yourself and with other people. And then I also do specific courses on um, specific topics, like I have one coming up soon on um, dealing with conflict and love relationships. And so That's an important you know, one. Yes, and I'll, and I'll probably do one on people-pleasing at some point as well. Uh, yes, I love that. Yeah, I'm excited about uh, understanding more about your different programs, patterns, and philosophies. I think that this is just... This is incredible. You've got a lot of wisdom and clearly a lot of experience. So I'm always open to learning more. So I just, like I said, I, I really enjoyed going through your book and I can see how it can be so helpful. Now I want, I want more of Dr. Early. <laughs> I want to understand more. This is really fun for me. I, you know, I'm a spirit, I'm into spiritual psychology. So a lot of my friends went this psychology route, and it's fascinating. But uh, I kind of went it uh, down a different path. But I love having these conversations, and I love learning. So you're you're a, a wonderful teacher. It's like I want to I want to understand. <laughs> so we're going to go to break you. here. Say it again. I said it's great to talk with you. I know it's really fun. I just love having these conversations. It's. Uh, it's my favorite thing to do. So um, when we get back, we're going to go to break here. And when we get back, uh, Dr. Early is going to share with us um, how we can get a free copy of his book. He's going to generously give away three copies of his book. So he's going to um, share that with us. And he's also going to talk about what assertiveness capacity is and 
how we can start to cultivate our assertiveness so that we become more well-rounded, more balanced, more whole, more happy. And so that our relationships work better. So I know I definitely want that. (laughs) So hang on. We'll be right back with Dr. Jay Early. A bright future starts with a healthy lifestyle. Pinocchio, I'm a real boy. Good nutrition and physical activity are fuel for your child's mind and body. Now you're talking. And the food pyramid will help you find the right balance of everything you and your child need. Grains, vegetables, fruits, oils, milk, and meats and beans. Nothing can stop me now. Just remember, smart choices from every food group, along with the right amount of physical activity, can put everyone on the path to better health. Look, the wishing star. You don't have to make a wish for a healthier you to come true. Just eat right. Here's an apple. Be active. Come on, I'll race you home. And make it balance. boy, Pinocchio. A healthy lifestyle can lead to great things for you and your child. Visit MyPyramid.gov to learn more. That's MyPyramid.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Ad Council. Hey, parents, do kids think you're out of touch because of the way you dress? Yes. Well, say hello to Instant Style with Fashion On. Just spray Fashion On on whatever you're wearing and look cool in an instant. Turn orthopedic shoes into vintage high tops, pleated khakis into skinny jeans, even clip-on ties become fly gold chains. Just spray, let it dry, and presto. What about my fanny pack? You mean your hip MP3 player? Wow. What about my bifocals? You mean your hot pink shutter shades. Hey, I can't see. But your kids can see you, and trust me, they see fashion. Thanks, Fashion Fashion On. Fashion On is not available in stores because it doesn't exist. But that's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Because kids in foster care don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUsKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Adopt Us Kids and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college, but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. But what's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to living united, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are spending time with transformational psychologist, group leader, psychotherapist, coach, teacher, theorist, author, and all-around wise man, Dr. Jay Early. Thanks for being here with us on Journey to Center, Dr. Early. You're welcome. So before we went to break, um, we talked a little bit about assertiveness, and you seem to have coined a term called assertiveness capacity. What exactly is that? Um, basically, it's um, it's a fairly broad thing that involves um, the ability to know what you think, feel, and believe, to stand up for it to initiate action in the world based on what you think is best for yourself or others, um, to ask for what you want, to challenge other people when you're unhappy with something, to reach out assertively to connect with other people. Uh, and there's, there's other things that are not so obvious. Like, so, for example, like following through. Like if you bring up something that, you, uh, that you're unhappy with and you don't get a good response, it means... Keep going. Don't just back off. Um, 
It means being able to say no if, if you're, like we talked about, if you're asked about something. But also, it means setting lim- being able to set limits. Like if somebody is acting in such a way that isn't good for you, it means being able to say, no, that's not, uh, I don't want you to treat me that way. Or, or let's talk about this. It, this. This needs to change in our relationship. I'm unhappy with this. Or if you're in a, if you're in a situation in a group situation or a work situation where something is not going the way that you believe is good, being able to challenge things like that. Um, so it, it involves a lot of different things, but ultimately, uh, as you said, Tom, Tammy, it, it involves being an empowered um, adult in the world. Yeah, just to me, it's about being able to have a direct conversation being very clear and direct, and, and again, knowing what you think, knowing what you feel, uh, knowing what honors you. And being able to stand behind that. Yeah, something else I like that you talk about in regard to assertiveness is also being flexible, responding naturally with what is needed, with spontaneity and flexibility. Right. That is, I talk about having yoga, doing the yoga of life, being flexible, <laughs> but staying centered. So I think that uh, that's a new way of me uh, looking at a new word that I can apply to that, that, that posture that I want to take in the world. Yeah, and assertiveness doesn't just mean pushing your own agenda either. It also is like we talked about. It. Ideally, assertiveness is balanced with cooperation, integrated even with cooperation, so that you, you work together with other people to find the best way of doing things. You assert your ideas, but you also listen to theirs. So it's really something that involves also cooperation at the same time. Yes, balance and cooperation. Love that. That's the way I want to live. So again, if you are listening and you have a question for, for Dr. Earlier or myself or a comment, uh, the number to call is 248-809-3475. 248-809-3475. So something I like that you mention in your book that I think is so vital and it's a real big part of uh, my personal counseling practice is getting in touch with the inner child. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, so very vital. And something that I've found, it's like it's not necessarily combed through memories, although that's helpful, but a lot of times people don't have access to them. And by virtue of just connecting with the inner child here and now, it seems like a, a, um, a powerful healing can occur. And, and you recommend that in your book. Just imagine them sitting with you and, you know, talking to you or sitting in your lap. And I think that, I think that's such an important simple tool that we can do for ourselves here and now to really affect great change. Yeah, and in fact, that's a, a central part of internal family systems therapy, which is the ah. therapy that I do, which involves working with all kinds of inner parts where the inner child, in fact, there are many different inner children. Um, that's just, that's, those are just some of the parts. And in fact, that's one of the, one of the ways that you can actually discover um, what fears come from childhood is by getting in touch with your inner child that's afraid to be assertive and, um, and asking that child what happened to you to make mm. you afraid, and, and uh, they can actually tell you. It's true. We have so much more power than we think. It's just amazing, and especially if we have uh, teachers that can share with us how to access that own, that, our own inner wisdom because we all have it. We have the answers within, but sometimes it can be confusing and we need, we need somebody to help us with our blind spots or give us the tools. So that's, I really appreciate that about um, your work and your books and, and, and how you go about uh, presenting this material. Thank you. So should we talk about um, what you can actually do as a practice? Uh, I or, think that's a fantastic suggestion. Okay. So... <laughs> So, um, I mean, I started sort of generally outlining what you can do, but you can actually set up a very specific practice. So I, I think the more specific it is, the easier it is to carry out, just the, rather than just having a general idea. So what I recommend is, and this is how the book is set up, is think of a particular situation or type of situation that's coming up in the next week or two when you typically end up being a pleaser. And, um, like, for example, um, somebody's going to ask you for something specific 
or, um, you know, let's say, you know, you're invited to a coworker's wedding and you don't want to go, or your boyfriend's pressuring you for sex and you're not ready yet, something like that. So something very specific, and you can say, okay, here's a situation I know is coming up. Here, I would like to change my behavior in this type of situation. And then think, okay, when is it likely to happen over the next week or two? And then, and then set an intention, when that happens, I'm going to put this practice into operation. And then set up your practice. Okay, um, be aware of how would I like to behave differently in that situation? Would I like to say, give me some time to think about it before I answer you? Would I like to just say, no, I'm not ready for sex now and I can tell you why? Whatever it is, decide exactly the kind of assertive behavior you would actually like to practice in that situation. Set mm-hmm. it up ahead of time. And you, if need to, even talk to, your, talk to yourself about why it's not really that scary to do that. Your boyfriend's really not going to abandon you if you say you're not ready for sex yet or whatever it is. Um, you know, and, of course, and, and also, of course, there might be a possibility where the person won't respond entirely positively if you assert yourself. Then think of how am I going to handle that. So suppose I get invited to this wedding and I say no and my friend is hurt. How am I going to deal with that? So have a plan for how you're going to handle it so that you know what you're going to do and you know that it's not going to be a disaster and you know how you're going to handle it. And then put it into operation. Mm. Um, and furthermore, here's, here's the other thing that can be really helpful is get a friend to support you in this. Get a friend who's a good listener, who understands why you'd want to be more assertive. Talk to them ahead of time. Say, here's, here's what I'm working on. Here, here's when it's likely to come up this week. How about if we talk in a week and I'll tell you what happened? So that way, you, you know, you've got, you've got a support. You've got somebody who's, who's on your side. And you also know that in a week you're going to check back in with them. So you're much more likely to kind of like do it because you have to, you know, get back to your friend and tell them what happened. Or even if you don't do it, then you can come back and talk to your friend about it and think through why, you know, what happened and I got too scared and I couldn't say it and whatever it is. So you have somebody who's really supporting you in doing this practice and becoming more assertive. Mm. I think that's so important because I don't believe we can really heal all by ourselves. You know, we need a cheerleader. We need um, somebody to support us, which is, you know, what you do and what I do. But if you have a solid friend and you're clear with your intentions, I think that's so, so helpful on this uh, healing journey. And the other thing is it's very important to, to give yourself appreciation and, and, um, applause, you might say, for every little step along the way, no matter how small it is. Whenever you're making changes, no matter how small, give yourself a pat on the back, give yourself a reward of some kind, so, you know, celebrate every little step because that yes. will help the next step to happen more easily. That's so important to, to really, I think, give ourselves what we seek from others, which tends to be respect, appreciation, listening. I think that's so vital, so vital. That's been a big part of my process and something I, I, I suggest all the time to my students and clients. So important. Really good piece of information there. So that might segue into my question about the inner champion. You talk about transitioning from... Uh, really uh, listening to the inner critic to really embodying the inner champion. What does that mean? Okay, so this is, um, this is related to inner critic issues. And actually, some people who have people-pleasing issues may also have an inner critic. And the inner critic is the, is the part of you that judges you and doubts you and tells you you're no good and tells you you can't do it and, and so on. And... Um, and um, my wife, Bonnie, and I, who work together, have developed this concept of the inner champion, which is something you can develop in yourself, which is a part of you that supports you in, um, in feeling good about yourself, supports you in being yourself, supports you, in, in this case, supports you in being assertive. So you can actually develop like an inner voice that says things like, 
you have the right to your own opinions or you have the right to uh, say no or, you know, it's um, you have the right to take care of yourself. Um, it's all kinds of different possibilities, but basically it's an inner voice that supports you in being strong and being assertive and in feeling that that you have the right to do that and that there's nothing wrong with doing that. By the way, that's, that's something I, I probably should mention. Some people who become pleasers become pleasers because they, they end up sort of being trained to believe that that's what a good person does. Yes. A good person gives true. in to other mm-hmm. people and takes care mm-hmm. of other people. And, and of mm-hmm. course, that is part of being a good person to some extent, as long as, you, as, long as not at your own expense. Right. That's, that's the tricky thing. So, um, if you, if, but if you've been trained to think that a good person is somebody who just gives in and takes care of other people and pleases other people, and I don't really count, and um, other people, and of course this is usually not conscious, but other people's opinions and desires are more important, and they're the ones that should be taken care of, then it's really helpful to have an inner champion that helps you, to, that asserts the opposite. No, your, your feelings count too, and your opinions count. And, and your thoughts about what's best in this situation are just as valid as everyone else's. Not more valid, but just as valid. And since they're yours, you're the one that has to advocate for them because nobody else will. And so your inner champion is a voice that kind of, it's almost like an ideal parent who knows who you are and knows that who you are is good and supports you in being yourself and mm-hmm. asserting yourself in the world. That's so, that's so powerful, so profound. You know, years ago when I was in, in the depths of my people pleasing, I also struggled with my health and um, uh, chronic fatigue. And what I got was I was trying to be really small in order to not offend anyone or hurt anyone. And what, mm-hmm. what kind of came to mind later was, you know, I don't know where I read this or where I heard it, but a third of the people in the world are going to love you. A third are going to be indifferent. And a third are going to hate you. And I thought, <laughs> well, if people are going to hate me anyway, I might as well be me. <laughs> you know, so the right people will hate me and the right people will love me. So right. I set an intention to figure out what my authentic shape was and love my authentic shape. And as I've done that, I have really, uh, well, I've lost some friends. That's true. But I've really attracted some, some amazing friends that are just much easier fits for, for the shape that I'm currently in. And, and that's, it feels so much better. Feels You've so attracted much friends who really appreciate who you are. Yes. Exactly. Rather than because you're me. pleasing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and, and there was another um, interesting piece of feedback that I got from a teacher while I was uh, making this transformation. And she said, actually, Tammy, as a people pleaser, you're, you're selfish. And I, I was like, well, how can that be? I'm always willing to sacrifice and give myself. She goes, but it's because you want people to be happy with you. Not just happy, happy with you. Very and I was point. like, hmm, that was a hard one to wrap my mind around. Actually, that's, that's, I'm so glad you said that because that's really a key thing here. See, if you're, <clears throat> if you're a people pleaser, it's, it's usually because you're, you're doing it for these unconscious reasons that are, um, you know, to protect, you know, young child parts of you that are in pain. Uh, or to get things for yourself, just like you said. Whereas if you're a true cooperator, you're doing it simply because you want the best thing to happen in the situation. You're not doing it in order to try to get approval or trying not to be abandoned or not to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's unconscious, so we don't always know why we're people-pleasing. But, but that's the true test, because some people will say, well, you know, what's wrong with, peop- with pleasing people? That, what, doesn't a loving person want to please people? And the answer is yes, but a, a truly loving person pleases people only when that is really what's needed in the situation, not because of some unconscious needs you have for approval or to, or to avoid or, or, you know, or fears. So the people-pleasing comes from unconscious fears or needs and true Loving cooperation comes from just an open heart, and that's the difference. Mm, beautifully put. So true. 
You know, and another visual I got when I was meditating about this, this challenging pattern was like, if, if um, I'm constantly pleasing others, I end up getting depleted because I'm saying yes to a lot of things that aren't good for me. I'm contorting, I'm uncomfortable, I'm sick, I'm tired. And I start giving from the bottom of the well, like the sludge at the bottom of the well, rather than giving from this uh, abundant overflow that is the best of me, that is this, you know, pure, clean, sparkling water, this, you know, loving uh, life force. So, you know, even when I was pleasing to the degree that there was nothing left of me, people still weren't happy. They still weren't pleased with me because I was not giving them uh, anything of quality. Mm-hmm. Boy, you have so, such good insights, Tammy. I, w- I, should, I should have gotten some of these into my book. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Early, maybe I mentioned to you, I'm Tammy, and I am a recovery, a re- in recovery from the pattern of people-pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> I know the terrain. <laughs> you do. Yeah, yeah I feel like I've gotten through the river of, of, uh, of uh, mud and debris and got to the other side and so I can look back and remember how it felt. But you're clearly a, a profound guide, a profound teacher, not just with the people-pleasing, but with the many, many other things. Um, and you talked about, you talk about the patterns, the different types of patterns. What are some of the others than um, just the people-pleasing? I know you mentioned this when we, we spoke yesterday, and I was very interested in knowing more about some of the different patterns that are out there. Okay, so if you look at interpersonal patterns, the, the, you know, there are patterns that are other than interpersonal as well, but let's just stay with interpersonal patterns for a while. There are, uh, I've, I've ended up um, dividing them into soft patterns and hard patterns. And the soft patterns, people-pleasing is a soft pattern. So another soft pattern is caretaking, another one is uh, conflict-avoiding, another one is dependence, another one is self-effacing. So you can see that they're all patterns that kind of um, go at your own expense. Whereas the hard patterns are things like being controlling, being defiant, um, <clears throat> being self-absorbed, uh, blaming. So they're kind of more aggressive patterns. And the hard patterns tend to, at least in the obvious way, cause other people problems and it aren't so obvious to you. that. And, of course, they, in the end, they cause you problems, too, because they, they disrupt your relationships with other people but it's often not so obvious. So there's a whole set of hard patterns and soft patterns, and they're organized in dimensions. So, for example, the people-pleasing pattern is in the power dimension. And uh, in addition to... So the hard pattern in the power dimension is controlling. And then actually there's two hard patterns. There's also um, defiant, the defiant pattern, where you kind of rebel against people is a hard pattern in the power dimension. And then there's a really interesting pattern in the power dimension, which is the passive-aggressive pattern. Which oh, yeah, of, I know that one. <laughs> kind of combines the hard and soft, where, you, mm-hmm. where on the surface you're a pleaser and you think you're pleasing people, but actually unconsciously and uh, indirectly you frustrate them. And, and uh, so that's the passive-aggressive pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so in each dimension there are both hard patterns and soft patterns. And also, in each dimension, there are um, two healthy capacities. So the healthy capacities in the power dimension are assertiveness and cooperation. And, and um, like assertiveness is the healthy version of controlling, and cooperation is the healthy version of people-pleasing. So there's these very interesting relationships between patterns and capacities in each dimension. I find that fascinating. And, and it seems like there can be blends of, of different patterns. I know for me, I was a pleaser, but I was also passive aggressive. And I, right. would, I would go along with people, but I was, I think, um, harboring resentment and anger. And so I was trying to, I guess, maybe exert my power in a very ineffective and unattractive way by being passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I would say, well, whatever. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's not a good one. <laughs> I can look back and go, oh, God, that's so, so bad. But um, we learn when we learn the way we learn, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so the fact that, that you have a pattern, that doesn't define your whole personality. Yes. Uh, just because you have a people-pleasing pattern, that's not your personality. That's just one pattern that you have. And you may have many other patterns, and you also have, may have many healthy capacities. 
and um, and you actually you can actually look in each dimension in the pattern system, and look to see in each dimension what patterns and capacities you have, and there are ten different interpersonal dimensions, and there are at least ten non-interpersonal ones as well. It's a rather big system, but then of course the psyche is a complex thing, so why not? Absolutely. Now that's very interesting. Now, what book do you break that down in? If somebody's interested in that, I haven't written that book yet. I, I oh. actually have, <laughs> stay tuned. I actually have um, a website that outlines the pattern system. Oh, uh, that's, okay, perfect. The patternsystem.com includes a, a website that kind of outlines it. But um, over the next six, next six months, I'm going to come out with. Um, one or possibly, probably two books on the pattern system, one that does all the interpersonal patterns and the one that's just a, an overview of the whole thing. How many well, books do you have? I haven't gotten it out yet. <laughs> what, what? How many books do you have? You've written, like, tons of them. Probably about 14 or 15, I guess. Oh, my gosh. I think I'm cool because I have one, and I'm almost done with my second one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, all proud of myself. You're kind of like my new hero. <laughs> Yeah, it's really fun to get my ideas out, yeah. It is, it is fun. And then when you get the feedback that it helps people, I mean, it's really quite satisfying. Very, Yeah, that very, is so satisfying, as I'm sure you it, know. Yeah. It really is, you know. And I refer to myself as the wounded healer because I had to go through so much to get to this uh, perspective and altitude of clarity. But, it, it uh, you know, it's all served me. It's all been perfect. Yeah, well, of course, that's true for me, too. I've had to work out a lot of my own stuff. Is that right? You're you're one of the wounded healers as well. Oh, it seems like it's yeah. yeah. You have a great relationship. It seems like your life is working really well. But you you've also had to traverse the uh, the challenging terrain, huh? Oh sure, yeah. I mean, my wife and I have both done tons of work on ourselves to get to the point where we have such a good relationship. It didn't happen just easily. Yeah. Oh really? Interesting. Hmm. I'm I'm compelled. <laughs> well, and, when, I, I, and I have a major taskmaster pattern that I've been working on for years, which has relented a lot in the last year or two, but that's been a major focus of my work on myself. Well, that's probably why you have 14 books out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see, you know, where that, that probably supported you in getting some of that out there. Yeah, you know, my first book took me four years. My second one took me about six months. And then I realized I was beating myself up and trying to get it done under a particular timeline. I'm like, how about we just have grace and ease and joy with this process? So yeah. I'm slowing down and in, enjoying the process a bit more. So again, to me, it's about really just coming into our own personal balance, whatever that is. And, and we have to figure that out for ourselves. Yep. Yep. So, Dr. Early, we mentioned earlier that people could get a copy of your book, A Pleaser No More. How would they go about uh, taking advantage of your generosity? Um, oh, I don't know. I thought that was, I thought you had figured out how you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that. So if people are interested in getting a copy of Jay's book, please write to me. At my email address, TammyBPhD at gmail.com. That's spelled with an I, T-A-M-M-I, initial B, PhD at gmail.com. And we will hook you up with the book, A Pleaser No More. So there, we figured it out. Okay, good. <laughs> and then I'll be in touch with you. <laughs> Here's some more of your story. <laughs> Well, Jay, this has really been fun. We had a bunch of people listening, but nobody, I guess, uh, felt like they needed it. Maybe you answered all their questions without them having to ask them or something. <laughs> okay. Okay. So but anyway, um, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love talking with you. Yes, you are just really, you provoke my, my, my intellect, which is always really fun. You brought up some, some good points, and I'm going to continue to kind of think about these things and chew on them and get some more of your books, because I just think that you are, again, a wealth of wisdom, very, very wise man. You've figured a lot of things out that I know can help me and, and will continue to help others. So hopefully this message will continue to ripple out with grace and ease to those that it can uh, give hope to and inspire. Thank you so much for having me.
Absolutely. I'd love to speak with you again. And my listeners, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you got some value from this compelling conversation with Dr. Jay Early. And if you want to get in touch with me, go to my website, TammyBPhD.com. I have a a free guided meditation there to kind of just reduce your stress and anxiety and to um, uh, just support you in finding your authentic shape, which to me is just the most important thing we can do. Journey to center, just relaxing and aligning with your higher self. And from that place, life works with a lot more grace and ease. So yes, come visit me at TammyBPhD.com or Facebook, Tammy Balashevsky. would love to connect with you, have a conversation with you. And if you have anybody you'd like to be on the show, I'm always interested in um, hearing about that as well. So I hope that uh, life is treating you kindly and that uh, it's filled with grace and ease and joy. Onward and upward. Take care of yourself. Honor yourself. Bye for now.